Welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm Dr. Jane Lovis, your host. During each episode of Leadership Reimagined, we take a look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations forward into a new future. And in this episode, we're creating that new future. Today, I'd like to introduce Chance Stewart. Chance is a speaker, consultant, and professor who is working to help people develop their self-awareness so that they can be the leaders the world needs. Chance states that love is leadership's most vital characteristic. Leadership without love is like a flashlight that needs new batteries. It can get you where you need to go, but you miss a lot on the journey. He has spent the past 11 years studying, speaking, and training organizations on leadership and its development. His work is to guide others to make the choice to live their most authentic lives. He's also continuing to teach leadership and organizational behavior courses as a professor. Chance, welcome, and thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. I've been looking forward to this. I really, I have to say, I absolutely loved what you said about love being, actually, I'm going to change the words a little bit, love being the cornerstone of leadership. You know, it's been a long journey as I've tried to figure out what I mean by leadership. And that's that fun thing. You put a hundred people in a room, everyone's going to have a different uh, idea of what leadership is. But the one thing I keep on hearing again and again is if, even if we can't describe it, when we walk into the room, we feel it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things I've said it how many times and I still get shivers and goosebumps every time I say that, because I think that comes to the core being of being a human and building community together. Absolutely. So to expand on that, the, the definition of leadership that I have started really living from is that leadership is the art of empowering a group of individuals to accomplish, and you can use either vision or goal, depending on what you what you want. But I think that your love being the cornerstone of that, because you cannot empower people without love. You can try and force them to do things, but that's not empowerment. I just got done doing some Instagram posts around this whole idea of your power is not your leadership, your authority, your position, your title. If you're worried about those things, you're already in the wrong world. I did a listening session for a conference and somebody came up to me and said, we want more diverse boards uh, for a nonprofit. I am the executive director. How do I make my board do this? And because it was about diversity and equity, race and all that, I didn't really have a good answer at the time. I shut down the Zoom session. I realized, wait, I missed the whole, there's one word that I missed that screwed that whole thing up. The second you say, how do I make, you're not thinking about this leadership. And I also want to put out there, as you're talking about the art of bringing people together, I'm starting to really realize that art is a big connection point that we miss too. So as we're talking about, these feelings of love and love doesn't have to be romantic love. It can just be caring for you as another person. Mm -hmm. I don't particularly have to enjoy your company to still care for you as a person. And that's something that we forget. So as we talk about art, it's this thing that can jump across barriers, uh, music, uh, sculpting, 
painting, food. Some of the greatest advances in sociology and, you know, geopolitics have come out of having a shared meal, Mm -hmm. sitting down with one another. It's really hard to be angry and be grouchy with somebody when you're having a nice meal. So it's one of those things that you don't have to have power and authority, but you do have to care about the other person's well-being and sometimes care enough to say, hey, this isn't the place for you to be. You're not going to grow to be your best here. I'm not going to be able to help you blossom and bloom. And we're not helping everybody else. So let's figure out something different. I can't have you here, but let me help you find your next step. Yeah, I call that help them thrive someplace else. And (laughs) I love that. Uh, You know, it's one thing I talk a lot about is servant leadership, that idea of serving others. And it's that misconception of, well, you can't throw anybody off the boat then. No, you don't throw anybody off the boat. You put them on a ship and you send them somewhere else. Exactly. Because if we're not doing well for everybody here, then we're missing the point. Right. Right. If you've got a basketball team and you bring me on, you are probably going to ask me to go thrive somewhere else because I'm five one if I'm standing really tall. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe a better position is for water management or equipment. There's you can still be a part of this team. Maybe we have you in the wrong point at the exactly. right wrong time and. That's a whole different conversation. Yes. There's still the caring of, I think you can be better than what you are here. In this, in this position, right? Exactly. And sometimes it's, it's skill. Sometimes it's personality. Sometimes it's not so much about personality, but it's like behavior attributes of the person. Mm -hmm. You know, you take somebody that's really innovative and you put them on a team where it's very rule bound Mm -hmm. that person is probably not going to thrive and be the contribution that they could be even if they have all the skills whereas you take a person that is very rule bound and really likes rules and structure and you ask them to be on a team that's all about innovation they're probably not going to thrive the same way. Well, and then let's break that down to, I always say that leadership starts in your life. You have to live it. You have to be it. So my six-year-old talks about emotional intelligence. My, you know, two-year-old goes, daddy, I'm not happy because that's the way we try to do this. And I use the Myers-Briggs type indicator for creating a shared language. Mm -hmm. Not particularly that we have to believe everything it says, But let's have some shared language so when we talk about a situation, we can understand what we mean. My wife and I are the exact polar opposites when it comes to the Myers-Briggs. And we agree with those. You look at them and we're like, yes, we're complete opposites. I'm the wild free spirit. I want to be here talking about the biggest absolute (laughs) ideas when she's down in the small, tiny details. I've seen her rearrange an office and reorganize processes and shift the way a program works when I want to talk about what's the future. So it's one of those things that finding the right place in the right time, a lot of the time now we're calling this cultural fit, some of those behaviors, but it could be beyond that too of maybe we do need that person, but do we need them right now? 
it's that my favorite saying when it comes to feelings is you can be angry, but you have to be angry at the right person at the right time and the right amount for the right thing. Yeah. And when we go to that, that becomes a power of four and that's a whole harder that that becomes astronomical numbers really quick if we add any more. So it's one of those finding the right time, right place. Mm -hmm. And I've been a part of not being a good cultural fit. The last nine to five job I went into, I said straight out, I'm here to create a little bit of chaos. I want to come in here. I want to change the way we do things. I don't, being static is not good in this program. It was a federally funded program every five years we had to rewrite, which means you had to shift up because if you're not shifting, you're not going to be funded. I left three years later and they said, Chance, you told us you're going to create chaos and you did. We weren't ready for all of it, but we saw a different way of looking at things. And so, you know, you have to find where and when is the appropriate time to be structured, to be free form. And that is a lot of that love. If you have to really push aside ego and really yep. communicate really hard to figure that out. It's a real challenge for most people to figure it out and really get comfortable and own it. You know, one of the things that I do is I create organization out of chaos. So I love going in a place that's all chaotic and bringing some organization and structure in there. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm ready to leave because I don't want to live with all that organization. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But I can help you get there. And one of the ways I kind of put that is the exact opposite. I say to organizations, I say to people and teams, I'm going to go there and create chaos for you. Not because I want your systems to be broken down, but because I can see systems that are already broken. So let's tear them down, build up a new one. One of the things I've been called when I do like the emotional intelligence, I've had people say you're an emotional terrorist (laughs) because you go in there and you poke and prod. You're asking us to humanize people that we're trying to villainize. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's good. It's it's not easy. It's not fun, but it's good. And luckily, I always get a hug by the end of it. So it's not just you're destroying us, but <laughs> let's figure out because I want you to be your most authentic self. And that self-awareness is a painful thing. Right. That's why a lot of people go through it with therapists or counselors, because to do it by ourselves is a gut-wrenching process. Well, and, and we've spent a lot of time hiding from it. Let me just go into toxic masculinity. It was a conversation I had yesterday. It's one of those ideas that I'm not supposed to have feelings. I'm not supposed to think. I'm considered, uh, I live in a very rural community. I'm considered very touchy-feely for my community. <laughs> and it's just because I'm saying, hey, I'm not having a good day. I'm not feeling this. So I'm not going to come to your barbecue. Like, really? You're going to tell us your feelings? Why don't you just say not come to the barbecue? Because I want to be honest with you and myself. I'm just not feeling it today. And maybe tomorrow I will, but probably not. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's difficult when we ask more of ourselves. And uh, I was watching a YouTube. He's a marketing guru, the future. He talks about, he put it out today. Um, if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. That is such a big thing because we have to continue moving forward. Otherwise we struggle. That's what Darwin really said by survival of the fittest. It's not survival of the strongest, the smartest. It's who can change the most and become better. Right. And we need to bring that to ourselves and to our organizations. 
that's that's such a powerful way to look at it because it's in the change as we're looking at what's next what's next and and how can we touch all of the the different areas and and see who is being impacted and make the changes and move everyone forward and there unfortunately are people that don't want to move forward and they have that freedom Amen to that. You can do whatever you want, but then you might be standing by yourself as everyone else moves. And that's a, I've been there, you know, not being my most productive self and found myself by myself. And it wasn't a happy place. So I I think we are, especially if we go to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a really hard place to be right now, uh, as Mm -hmm. we're kind of hopefully winding down COVID restrictions and stuff. There's a reason why people weren't able to be their best selves. They were worried about food, shelter, their safety. So we could not get past, we couldn't even get to emotional concerns, uh, intellectual concerns, let alone self-actualization. But now that we are hopefully getting a little bit of breathing room, we have to push past that because I want everyone to be their most self-actualized. I I have this really weird feeling that when we really self-actualize, we become some whole new creature. And I want all of us to reach that evolution. Sounds good to me. Don't know what it means, but sounds good. And what I want, what I'm looking for is we're on that journey. And how do we bring everyone with us? You know, inclusively. So my take on it, I want all stakeholders to win. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about stakeholders, I go all the way from the the owner of the company, the business, the employees, all the way to the environment. Mm -hmm. Because if we're not taking care of all of that, we're not going to have a place to be. 100% on that. And that's hard. That's That becomes a bigger conversation of you have to look at the magnitudes. It's kind of this six degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon was huge in the nineties. And there's now the commercials where he's laughing about it too. But from me to you, we can find someone between us within four people, probably Mm -hmm. where we do some of the same work. That'd be easy. It's harder to say, okay, how am I connected with someone? I'm in the Pacific Northwest. How am I connected to people in Japan or China? And we are, we will never not be a global society ever again unless something really, really bad happens. Right. The more that we hunker down and say, well, I am this and I will never be that. I I feel that those community, those tribal lines being drawn is fine, but we are more than that. Because I want to say I'm not connected to anyone over there. But then I think about a friend from high school lives over in uh, Japan and I know I'm connected to people from there that I will probably never meet, but I could have a ripple effect and change that for them. And as we're talking about everyone winning, all the stakeholders, we have to think so much bigger. And that is a big part of the work I'm trying to do is figuring out how we build these sustainable communities and how do we bring people in. Yeah. And that is so difficult, especially as I work in higher education for the past year, having students be completely online. How do we invite them to be with us? And that's the way I talk about it. We have to invite them. We have to. And the hard thing is if we really want to be leaders, we don't get to invite people one time. 
we invite them over and over and over and over. And then when we're tired and take a nap, then we invite them again. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's our job as leaders to ensure that everyone is included. I think that's probably one of the most important roles of a leader because it's that's what gives the power to anything. Because I really believe that we have what we need to solve any one of these problems. One, we have to get out of lack thinking that there's not enough, that if I don't have something, then I'm losing. If I give something up, then I've lost. There's, there's more than enough. This is, you know, we may run out of a certain thing. And, you know, the example is that when, when they stopped using horses, whip manufacturers, you know, started going out of business. Mm-hmm. We have ways to support that transformation. So- 100%. It's part of the reason I'm really struggling with this idea we call, you know, government positions or CEO positions, positions of leadership. And I'm really pushing back and fighting on that lately because that's a position of power and authority. That's fine. But what you do defines that leadership. If you are the one that has your nose in the accounting books or, If you're down there in the trenches, then I don't know that you're particularly a leader. You may be skilled at doing some of these things, but the shift is when you trust people to do what you hired them to do, Mm -hmm. what you empower them to do. Yep. I say, I need you to do this for me. Give them the skills, the opportunity, check in. I'm not saying don't ever check the books, but that should not be your day-to-day. Right. Your day-to-day is about people. And that's a really hard flip. It's why the I teach in the program I do. It's a bachelor's of applied science. It's a flip degree. It's for those who went to college, maybe did a two-year AA degree, then went out into the community, now been hired up to the point that they're being a manager. How do we make sure they have the skills to not only do the job they used to do, but now the job you're asking them to do? How do you get them to be a leader? How do you get them to be I mean, a lot of those are, it's again, goes back to that self-awareness of what sort of person do you want to be? Yeah. And I don't think that's a question we ask nearly enough. I ask myself at least every month and I still don't know that I'm asking it enough. <laughs> I mean, I, on my desk, you can see, cause we're on video together. I have journals upon journals and paper and I keep on rewriting every time I do something with a group, I do it again. And from day to day, I could want to be a different leader and that's okay. Now I have to ask, is that serving everyone else around? Is that serving my wife, my kids, the larger community? And sometimes my service to the larger community is not be a part of it, not to muddy the waters. Mm -hmm. And again, trust them to do the work that you, that they're there to do. That's, That's yeah. And that is one of the big questions being raised in a lot of organizations right now with this request that that companies are starting to look at we're coming back to the office you know and mm. for what we we're going on 16 months yep. that people have worked from home you've trusted them they've done their work in all of the chaos that we've dealt with for the last 
think what they could imagine what they could do if we put structures in place that's actually that supported it. Right. I mean, people have done amazing things. And so imagine what they could do with the structures. What if and we actually planned it and were thoughtful about it? And yes, 100% and created it instead of just jumped in with both feet and we did amazing. Well, basically what I see is there's just, there's a lot of fear from mm-hmm. leaders. Oh, 100%. They don't really believe that they're leaders, that it's command and control. If they don't, if I don't, can't see people, then I don't know what they're doing. And that's so hard. I mean, my instant thought goes back to the old armies that were going all across uh, Eurasia and the generals weren't there to do the work. They said, this is what I need done. Report back when it's done. And we can do that here too. Uh, I've been a proponent of online for a long time. I did almost my whole degree program. I think all the way through my master's, 94% is what I figured out one day. (laughs) I'm for it. It's a cool thing. It's not for everybody having options to be able to do this. Um, I have a buddy, his wife is an architect and she does some really cool, crazy work. She doesn't have to go anywhere unless she actually needs to go meet with the client, do the thing. Holding someone accountable is a lot different than watching every move they make. I need this done by this time. Do you think you can do it? Yes, no. You have a different conversation if it's no, and then say why, why not? And you can figure out how to support them different or maybe add someone in. But that's a lot different than saying, I need this done now and I need to watch you do it. Yeah, I was there. My again, my last nine to five when I said I was going to create chaos. Yeah, I worked about ten hours, but I had to be there for forty hours. It made me miserable and everybody else. Yeah, I'm way for the. I hired you to get a job done. I didn't hire you to be here for forty hours or fifty hours or sixty. Yeah, I want this job done. The value you provide for our organization is more important than the time you spend. And the then we have other options that we can talk about okay, you're not doing things here. How can we support you? How can we build that community? I was reading some of the uh, larger banks are talking about you're going to be back here or you're going to be fired by July 15th. We've already seen mass exoduses from a lot of organizations and those aren't going to be any better. No. So it's going to be one of those things. I hear you that I want you here for the culture, the community, Maybe it's right for your interns and your entry-level people to be there and learn from other people. Maybe there's other ways to do it. Zoom has been great. StreamYard. There's so many. Technology is so much better than it was two years ago, let alone 20. So why are we still acting like we're in the 70s when we're 2020? That's 50 years difference. Let's act like it. I get grouchy about that sort of stuff. <laughs> if you cannot tell. <laughs> so do I. I was having a conversation with, with actually a friend who, who I was really surprised. She was like, I want this person to come back in the office. It's like, well, you need to deal. You need to deal with why you need that person to come back in the office, not with them coming back in the office. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a beautiful point. And she got that it was because there were mistakes happening that she had stepped over mm. and didn't deal with 
you know, structures that they needed to put in. They had, they, they had stopped doing like a morning check-in call. And, and so we got all clear about that. And I said, well, maybe you, if you want to know what's going on, maybe there's, there's an evening check, check out, you know, where she just lets you know what she got accomplished. And I get that every organization has some differences Mm -hmm. and there are ways to work around that. 100% organizations. I'm even going to argue that organizations aren't that different. People aren't that different. We all want the same things. We want safety, security, happiness. We can be inventive. We can change the way things are done. Um, Again, we're on Zoom. I I have a really cool setup here that I spent way too much, but I could spend (laughs) $200 and have a really nice setup with a decent microphone and a decent camera where we could see each other extremely well. We can communicate. I'm a part of a Friday morning call. That's an international call. We've had a hundred people choose to come here. Mm -hmm. The invite was out and it's all about how we want to be humans first in the workplace. Mm. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Yes. And so we would just meet and we, we still meet. I don't get there as often as I used to, but it's been, Hey, some days it's just a check-in. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Other days we've learned cultural competencies. We learned about Ramadan this year. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of these things like, how can we make sure that we are learning more, being able to reach out better, send that invite better as humans? Yeah. When we as leaders and organizations give that invitation, that is so much bigger because it's saying, again, it's one of those things. I care about you. Yep. That's why it's important to correctly pronounce someone's name. Yep. It is a very big deal because that is a part of their personhood. And, you know, I get chase a lot versus chance. It happens so much, even since high school. But it's one of those things when somebody gets it right after they've messed it up, I know they care enough to try again. Yep. And I'm not saying leaders, we have to be perfect because nobody's perfect. Nothing is perfect. But the harder we try to make things better, people see that and want to follow that. Exactly. And it's just, you know, I wasn't sure where I was going to be when I was in high school. I I have a teacher that said no way in hell she ever thought I would go back to school. So to find where I'm at, the theme between each job I had, grocery, retail, commission sales, Lowe's chicken processing. I worked for foster farms for all that stuff. I realized all of it was about people and how we would become better together. Yeah. Cause we get magnitudes stronger every time we add someone to our community. One person can do a lot. Two can do a hell of a lot more. Three. It's crazy. When you hit four, who knows what can be different? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it Jane Goodall that said never underestimate the power of a small group of people. I have no clue, but that's a scary thought. A small group of people can do a lot. Yeah. And it actually, I think there's, you know, there's some level where if it gets too big, and this is why the, why the military always does things in, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you're a part of the big group, you're part of a small group. I've heard it called the chair rule. When you can stand on a chair and make an announcement to everybody when not everyone can hear you, you need to start 
transitioning out. I know there's one organization, every time they hit 125 people, they split off and they make a new, okay, so we're doing too much. We're going to make this a new company. Some of you are going to go here. Some of you are going to do that. And that happens in families too. My wife's family, a small get together is 200 people. Wow. A small get together. (laughs) Her dad gets made fun of for only having five kids. (laughs) So it's one of those, like, we can't expect to be able to reach out to everybody. Right. But the invitation still needs to be there of, hey, we're having the family get together, I think next weekend. And we'll see 150 people maybe if we head that way. Um, But making sure, hey, you're still a part of us even if we don't talk. You're still included. Mm -hmm. It's your choice. 100%. That's the piece. Well, Chance, our time is coming to an end, if you can believe it. That is so sad. We have so much more to talk about. I know. I know. (laughs) So we're going to have to schedule another time. Absolutely. What? What last thing would you like to say to close? You know, in the past six months, I've I've started saying something and I didn't realize I said it until about yesterday. I told my wife, she's like, yeah, I've heard you say it over and over again. It's getting on my nerves, (laughs) but it's one of these, I want to say this wholeheartedly. And if we can do this more, we can be better. My heart to yours. I may not understand everything you've gone through. I may not understand the context, the nuance, the details, but if my heart can go out to yours, that's a great place. And we can do that in organizations. Mm -hmm. We can care for one another. We can love each other and love enough each other to not be around each other. 100%. But when we start remembering that we are more alike than we are different and our hearts can come together, it's a beautiful place. And I have complete hope for it. With three kids, after the past 10 years, I worry about what kind of world there's going to be. Knowing that I have to be a part of that next step to make it a better world for my kids, I know it's going to be good because my heart to yours. There could be nothing better than that. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank Thank you. you, This has been a great, powerful conversation. I really loved it. I appreciate you having me on here. I I can't wait for the next one. I'm already going to say that. (laughs) Thanks for joining us this week on Leadership Reimagined. Now is the time to reimagine your leadership. Take a minute and go to reimagineyourleadership.com and I'll call you. We'll have powerful conversations. You'll take action. Yes, there are always actions to take. Your business will expand and I guarantee you'll have fun at the same time. I know, shouldn't it be fun? If it's not fun, why are you doing it?